All right, so we're going a bit mental here. We've only done one episode of our monthly review podcast, and even though we don't even have a name for that podcast yet, which, if you're listening, we still need your help in naming the thing, because we're coming up to recording the second episode, so we're running out of time. We need a name. It can't go nameless forever. Everything needs a name, right? But this podcast, the one you're listening to now, is the first episode of a named podcast, a podcast that we're going to call Caleb's Corner. Now... Who is Caleb, you might ask? You may not have heard of Caleb, might not have seen him around LFC Tampa Bay much. That's because Caleb isn't a Liverpool supporter, but he is a frequent watcher with us over at the Horse and Jockey. So if you do watch over the Horse and Jockey, you've probably seen Caleb in his Spurs attire, watching with us, even watching with us a couple weeks ago when the unfortunate events for you happened at Wembley. Well, right. Anyways, but Caleb is... Unlike myself, I only watch Liverpool. I only have time for Liverpool. I only really care about Liverpool and whoever they're playing that week. Unlike myself, Caleb watches plenty of Premier League football. I try to, yeah, as much as I can. As well as watching every single Spurs match. Right. So, with that in mind, in order to give, you know, our listeners out there and our members a little bit more insight in the Premier League, just in case they're like myself and they they don't watch the Premier League, Liverpool competes in the Premier League. That's true. We probably should know a little bit about the people that... I think that's... That's right? a good idea. Right? So Caleb is going to be our our outside expert, and he's going to give us his outside perspective on, on the Liverpool matches as we review last week's Premier League and last week's Liverpool match and then look forward to this weekend's match, which is against Chelsea at Sanford Bridge and some matches that he will be watching himself this weekend. Um, so I guess I'll throw it over to my friend over here, Caleb, who I've known for about two years, and let him, like, tell him... He's a little story about how he came to the horse and jockey and, and, and his story watching football and being a Spurs supporter. So Right. So I, I've been going to the horse and jockey for about three years now. Um, this was before you guys uh, started your chapter. A lot of uh, the reason we started going there is because a lot of the people from the law school are Liverpool supporters. And we just we knew about this place. We knew the owners were from Liverpool. So we just started going to watch the games there. And it was normally just Liverpool games that I, I would go watch. And um, I was kind of a closet Tottenham supporter because everything there is Liverpool. Yeah, you're right. It is, but yeah. one day I decided to wear my shirt. Okay. You know, the one of the owners, uh, one of the brothers, he gave me a hard time. But, you know, I had been going there for so long that, you know, he, yeah, he yeah. still served me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. They yeah, didn't, right. They didn't they, kick me out. Yeah, he let you spend your money and right. get drunk, so yeah. that's that's always a plus right. for everyone involved. Right. And so I've been going there for, like I said, about three years. You guys started your chapter there, and I still go. Uh, a lot of the guys there they call me a uh, honorary Liverpool supporter because yeah, yeah, yeah. I do cheer for you guys. It's yeah, it's hard not to with the with the atmosphere. You know. Yeah, that's right. Everyone's cheering. I want to cheer too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Getting swept up yeah, in the emotion um, of it all. I was there for the um, Europa League final. Oh yeah. Um, a few seasons ago yeah. against. Um, How was that by the Sevilla? Team? We hadn't opened up a chapter yet. How no, was that that game was intense. There were about three of us there that you know for my little friends group, and then a, a couple of other regulars. Uh, that game was intense. Yeah, it was. It was, it was intense. Terrible. Uh, it was awful. God, yeah. Dog. We don't talk about the second, no. second half that much, but uh, but uh, I was the, the you know the semifinal was there too, and yeah, I was exciting. I was cheering for you guys the whole way. Um, and as far as Tottenham goes, I've been watching uh, for about 12 years now. Okay. So it's been rough. Yeah. yeah I, get this. I respect that, that you have gone through 
what could be considered maybe not the darkest days of no. being a Spurs fan, but in regards to most of the people that you find around here that are Spurs fans, much darker days than what they've experienced. Right. Yeah. It was. Uh, I think the first season I watched, we we finished eleventh or twelfth. So yeah, I didn't know anything. I just knew I didn't want to pick one of the big teams because yeah. I didn't want to be a bandwagon guy. Yeah. I didn't know. And then the bandwagon found you. Yeah, my it's friend. true. It's true. <laughs> It's how it works. <laughs> that's sometimes it is, unfortunately. But that's a good thing to join up before everyone else jumps on board. And the, I, I was here first, you know. Yeah. Um, I always, I always tell this story. I was actually between City, and Tottenham. Oh no. Yeah, and I think the only reason I picked them was, the uniform. To I be honest say, with you, yeah. it's way better than that sky blue shit. Anyways. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, you never know. I mean, what if I were a City <laughs> fan? Then we wouldn't be friends. That's we probably be true. Yeah, with this podcast, probably would not be happening. You'd probably be very salty about Champions League yeah. and all the matches at Anfield. And we have time for that in a couple of weeks. Yeah. That will be coming up a yeah. little City Anfield match. But for the time being, so like I said earlier, um, Caleb watches way more Premier League than I do, and he also is usually at the pub watching the matches with us. So with that in mind, I felt like he was a good guy to bring in and give us like reviews of the matches that he watched and kind of look ahead. Uh, at some of the other matches that are going on in the weekend, as well as the Liverpool matches in particular. So with that in mind, uh, looking back at last week, here are the rundown of all the results. Um, Fulham and Watford had a 1-1 draw at Craven Cottage. Man United and Wolves, hey, drew 1-1 at Old Trafford. Um, Funny story about that was actually Caleb was there too uh, for the Southampton game. There was a one Wolves, oh no, there's two Wolves fans that they actually showed up before any Liverpool fans did, like early in the morning. Um, and we had a, bit, a little bit of a celebration. I bought a pint for him after Wolves, the famous draw at Old Trafford <laughs> occurred. And we all had a bit of a cheer and laugh because like, the Liverpool game was over so early. And then we got to watch the end of that and watch Man United drive, draw Wolves. It was a perfect, it was a perfect Saturday. Um, but continuing on, Crystal Palace, nil-nil with Newcastle, Leicester City uh, at home, winning 3-1 against Huddersfield. Um, Cardiff City losing 0-5, to 5-0 that is to Man City at home. Liverpool, of course, a 3-0 over Southampton. Burnley 4-0 over Bournemouth, the Battle of the Bees. Uh, Brighton losing 1-2, 2-1 Tottenham right. uh, at home. Um, Chelsea 0-0, against West Ham uh, at the London Stadium, the famous, famous London Stadium. Right. Uh, the great atmosphere there, really. And another great atmosphere at the Emirates, where Arsenal won 2-0 in front of a 75% full house, as I heard. Right. Yeah, so um, with that in mind, right off the bat, let's just uh, dive right on in, and let's let's just really quickly go over the Liverpool game and, and kind of give... Let's get your thoughts. What did you think about uh, the general performance of, of the lads of, the, of Liverpool well, against Southampton? It's been like it's been all season. It's been pretty dominant. Um I think I predicted 3-0. You did? Yes, did. you did predict 3-0. So I, I just thought, I, I, I don't want to say at this point in the season that some of these victories just seem like foregone conclusions. You guys are playing lights out. Um, to be fair, like, we're, we're playing really well. I wouldn't call it lights out, personally, just because I think we all know that, like, there's, like, another level that we can get to. I think that's the scariest part as well. Yeah? yeah. I was going to ask, you know, considering that, you know, you just said we're playing lights out, but you, you just said, like... The fact that we aren't playing at full potential yet. Is there a bit there have been sometimes some instances. Um, I'll say like maybe the our the game against us, where uh, you guys didn't look like you were clicking all the way yet. But against Southampton, it just felt it felt like it was coming. Yeah, right. And it was it was it was really easy that first half. 
um, going up 3-0. You know, I, I predicted 6-0. So you did. I, I thought there was a shout and a chance. That right. would... yeah, at one point, it did seem like that. <laughs> Um, any any particular feelings or thoughts on like the rotation and, and seeing the depth of Liverpool where like Shakiri comes into the midfield? Yeah, I think you know it's one of those players that I, I don't understand why he doesn't play more. I feel he's really good. I feel like I mean he, he can be an impact sub. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to have a player of his caliber be able to come in. And he's just so stocky and fast and, and muscular. I really like watching him play. I thought he was a great buy. And I think I would say over the last three seasons. If I had to pick, like, one team that made one buy over the summer, it's always been Liverpool. You guys picked up Mo Salah, mm-hmm. you picked up Sadio Mane, mm-hmm. now you picked up Shakiri. Yeah. And I think uh, those are really key buys. Yeah, Yeah. very... I've, I've always said I would take Sadio Mane any day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever since you guys got him, I, yeah. I thought he was, like, the buy of the season. I would love a player like that. Yeah. Well, in regards to Shakiri too, like, you know... Um, Klopp actually talked about it today how, you know, Shakiri is basically right now, he doesn't really know the system yet. Like, right. He doesn't know his defensive duties. He doesn't really know the positioning and, like, the gagging pressing and, like, the high press play yet. So he, t- he said in his, pr- I don't know if it was a press conference or a pre-match interview at the training ground, but he said that Shakiri is basically just playing on instincts right now. And, like, he's got to learn the system first. Like, that's why he's been held back. Right. Why he only got 45 minutes. I think he also only got 45 minutes with an eye to him getting 90, like he did in the League Cup. Yeah. And you don't want to wear him out, and you're 3-0 up. Like, what's the point anyways? You know, he's created two goals out of thin air, basically. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the fact that, like, he hasn't even learned the system yet, and he doesn't even know his part, and he's still already like coming in for 45 and in in my opinion we're gonna i'd ask you would you even rate him as man of the match oh yeah i i, I would say so just just based on the opportunities he created for his teammates and you got to remember this guy played for bayern munich yeah it's inter milan bayern munich and, yeah he's yeah. he's a world-class well he's up there he's up there i, w- I, mean, I was gonna say world-class player but he's he's definitely upper echelon of a player by the end of the season we could get to the point where um we, we can call him world-class, just seeing how he performs in in this side. I think he's, like, on the brink of being in the world-class discussion as a player just because he legitimately does pull a whole nation through competition right. sometimes. Like, the last World Cup where he scored that hat-trick, yeah. it was insane. And, like, even this this previous World Cup scoring the goal to beat Serbia, um, like, he like he puts a nation on his back at, right. at, at these big tournaments. And so, you know... If, if Mo Salah does that and he's considered world-class and Sadio Mane to some extent kind of does that and he's considered world-class, there's there's a there's a chance to have that discussion as the season progresses yeah. depending on how he comes into the side. So I wouldn't, like, you know, poo-poo too much calling him world-class. Right. I, I just don't want to get overexcited. Yeah, true, yeah. true, true. But, no, I think he's... Uh, if it's true that he hasn't even learned the system, yeah, I am a little worried about what, what he's going to do when he does. Yeah, it's, it was, yeah. And it was funny because at the pub, um, it's always like... There's always sometimes you have those matches where no one's talking to each other and everyone's like focused on the television because it's nil nil or it's one one and then the action's you know high intensity and, and the other team's getting chances and then every so often you have these matches where you show up and like the first five minutes you're into the match and then all of a sudden like everyone's just talking and, and like at the pub we're just like not even paying attention to the Liverpool right. match we're watching the Wolves match more yeah. <laughs> you turned around after like two nil and you just kept watching the Wolves match yeah. Like, Eventually, I just kept turning around. And I was like, I can't even really be bothered with watching because I know we're, we're going to win it. Right. And it's, it's it's just a matter of how much. Exactly. And, you know, even being able to pull Van Dyke off at one point and, like, you know, 
changing systems and not even going full throttle and kind of sitting back and like you know taking off the gas a little bit where in the past we would do that against you know mid-table sides or lower sides and we'd end up drawing like 2-2 or even losing 2-1 or something when we try to take our foot off the gas and so yeah it was just one of those matches where like you know it's been a while as a Liverpool supporter myself since I was able to like we go up one nil, two nil, three nil, and then I just I'm like, yeah, that's it, done and dusted. Yeah. I don't even care. It feels nice. Yeah, it felt amazing. Yeah, it really does. It, it felt so. It felt so so good. So uh, with the with that covered, we both picking Shakiri man of the match. Yeah. Okay. So she, in our opinion, Shakiri man of the match. So it was it was a wonderful match. Just Liverpool scoring early, getting the game over with, and then we all just turned around and watch uh, watch Wolves. <laughs> Do the business against Man United at Old Trafford. What a great day! But um, all right, so let's let's get into it because I, I watched a little bit with you. Let's let's talk about Spurs Brighton or uh, what's the name of their uh, of stadium again? I can't remember. The American Express. Oh, of course, oh, you gotta love global football. You have to. <laughs> so if I remember correctly, you guys went two 0 up before they scored. Correct. Um, In the 93rd minute, they got there. Yeah, that's true. I do remember that. I do also remember it was a little hairy at some points. You know, at the beginning of the season, we were winning ugly, and everyone was like, oh, Spurs are grinding out results. And then we lost three in a row, and it's like, oh, you know, Spurs suck. (laughs) (laughs) So it it was kind of like a change of tone in the media, how, how we were being portrayed. Um, personally, I, I thought we were just not playing very well. We had flashes of last season, yeah. uh, especially against uh, Fulham, where they scored first and we came back and scored three unanswered goals. And then the second half against Manchester United. Not the first half, because yeah. the first half was atrocious. Yeah, you guys were We, we should have lost yeah. that game like six or seven. Yeah. Um, and then in, at points against you guys, yeah. which, you know, unfortunately, uh, I had said, unless we gift you guys a goal... You guys aren't scoring, yeah. and two minutes later, you, we gift you uh, a corner kick, and you guys score, <laughs> and the game changed. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So there were there were points in this in this season where I think we've played well. Against Brighton and Hove was not one of those times. Yeah. I, I remember they they had a couple of chances, and it and and it could have been like the opposite. If I remember correctly, it could have been one nil Brighton or yeah. even one one. Right. At some point, and that obviously changes everything. So. Um, I think, you know, c- coming in from that three-game losing streak that everyone was talking about, the mini-crisis, yeah. whatever, you know, never lost three games in a row in the Pochettino era. Yeah. So this is, you know, and everyone's going back like, oh, you guys didn't sign anyone. Look what's happening now. Yeah. The thing is falling apart. The stadium, somebody, like, somebody pooped in the... <laughs> it's just like everything that could go wrong yeah, is going wrong. Yeah, it's all coming down yeah. on you, yeah. And then uh, we get these four games in a row that are winnable. Yeah. And minus the Barcelona game, which is sandwiched in between. I don't think that's winnable. But you get these four games in a row. They're winnable to get the confidence back. We go uh, up against Brighton, and we don't play very well. Granted, it was like a monsoon. It was raining really hard. But, I mean, you got the job done. So, again, yeah. it's one of those gritty wins. There yeah. were flashes of yeah. of brilliance. Yeah. Um, I think after Lamella's goal, Harry Kane kind of stepped up, and he could have had a couple, but yeah. they were right at the keeper. So Man of the match? I would say Lamella. Yeah. Comes off the bench. And changes things. You know, in this five, five games he's played this season, he has five goals, two assists. Oh, well, he scored against us, too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, is he going to stay as an impact sub like Shakiri, or is he going to come out and play? It's an interesting shout. Does he maybe switch in for Harry Kane, who's been off for him a little bit? I think the problem with that, if you, I don't know how much you want to go into this, but I've, I have this theory. We're playing two up top, Lucas Moura, Harry Kane. Yeah. Harry Kane does not 
he's being crowded out by Lucas Moura. True, he needs all that space. He needs that space. Yeah. So I think we we you know we go back to not having two strikers. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know this. Christian Eriksen's hurt. He's not going to play this weekend. Oh, okay. So now is the time for maybe, you know, Lamella, Dele Alli, and Lucas Moura to play that fluid three. Yeah. Uh, attacking midfield system that we played last season yeah. and leave Harry Kane by himself. Okay. So well, we'll get into that a little later yeah. when we preview your match. But okay, so the next match, obviously, the team that you love to hate, Arsenal Everton. 2 0, 2 0 to the Gunners. Correct? Yeah, it was a. I don't know how to describe that performance. It looked like they were going to draw. Yeah. It was a. I wouldn't call it a boring game, but I would say Everton, you know, they gave as much as, as Arsenal did. Up until the point Obama Yang scored, and then it just crumbled. Yeah, uh, I feel like Everton has spent a lot of money over the last few seasons, and they really haven't. They've tried to try to go the Manchester City route, where they're yeah. just trying to buy players and hopefully buy success, and it's not working out. Um, I'm not a huge Everton fan. Yeah, well, uh, neither am I. Well, <laughs> you know, and it no, clearly, yeah. but in those situations, you know, I just I kind of wanted them to draw. Yeah. Um. But. Once Arsenal scored, there was no way back. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like, so Obama, when did he score exactly? Uh, I believe it was the second half. Okay, you know, because I remember you were sending me texts, and I was under the impression that somehow, some way, Everton was giving the business to Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, they, there was a point where you know it could have gone either way. Okay. Um, and it's just one of those where Obama Yank scores, and Everton realizes they're Everton, and they just kind of, oh no. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, uh, Lacazette scored first. My oh, mistake. Okay, okay, Lacazette okay. scored first, and Obama Yank scored like three minutes later. But yeah, it was definitely. It was like a double, quick double. Yeah, and it was, and it was done. Yeah, okay. and that was the end. And you know, at that point, I'm, I'm one of those guys. Once Arsenal score, I turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way with United. That's why I don't ever watch United because yeah. it's like I used to watch and be like, oh, wow, they scored in the first five minutes. It must be my fault. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't believe in luck or like in jinxing things except when it comes to soccer. I, like, yeah, yeah, well, 100%. Well, 100%. There's a lot of people in our club that are the exact same way. Yeah. That are just really superstitious. They despise me when I say that we're going to smash every team that we're going to play. <laughs> yeah. They get very upset at yeah. me. Um, so, man of the match. That one's that one's hard to say. Yeah. Um. I I would probably give it to Lacazette because he scored the goal. Because he scored the goal. You know, it's it's Im- incredible to me how that you can have two class players like Lacazette and Aubameyang, and only imp- until recently, after Wenger left, or even when he was still there, he barely played them together. But yeah. why don't you play them? Yeah, together? I mean, yeah, they're both probably your best of players, and they're in some aspects your most. Cr- I mean, Aubameyang's mainly pace, but Lacazette's pretty skillful and. He knows how to finish the ball. So, like, you get rid of Alexi Sanchez and, like, you lose Giroud, and now you've lost, like, your two main scorers for right. the last five years. Why right. wouldn't you throw him on? But, you know, that's for Arsenal to figure out. And I, I if they can't figure it out, I, I'm, like, I'm not as happy as you'd be, but I'm still happy that they can't figure it out. Yeah, you know, and I like Emery. Um, I liked him when he was at Valencia. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't really. You mean Sevilla? Not Valencia. He was. A, I thought he was, was he at Valencia. Both? Yeah, he was at Valencia before. Oh, okay, okay. He went to Sevilla and then he went to PSG okay. or something like yeah, that. He's yeah, been traveling. PSG, yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of like the guy. Sucks that he's at Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Oh goodness. All right. So, um, real quick, now that we've we've reviewed. Oh wait, actually, I'm missing one right here. Real quick, this is the big one because we're kind of going to look forward a little bit. Um, West Ham and Chelsea. Yeah. How was that match? That match was. Chelsea did not look great. Um, they they looked like they didn't have any ideas how to break down West Ham. They had 750 passes. That's outrageous. I saw something like Jorginho had 
like like 400 of them or something it was insane like they just completely had the ball the entire time but they didn't look dangerous at all did, um, did West Ham park the bus? Did they? They just defended solidly. I wouldn't even say they parked the bus because they had a couple of breakaways. Um, where they, you know, it looked like maybe they would do something, but it was really boring. Yeah, it yeah, really I mean, was. Nil draws usually yeah. are. It was one of those really boring nil nils. Yeah, it was one of those boring nil nils where like they're just passing side to side around the box, not really with any penetration. That game, I expected Chelsea to just destroy them and it was going to build up your yeah. game coming up this weekend yeah. and really Chelsea let I want to say let me down because I actually hate Chelsea more than I hate Arsenal. <laughs> okay, that's a yeah. fair play. I so, agree with that as well. Uh, Same feelings, my friend. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't say they let me down, but I did not expect them to perform the way they did. It was the first time they really didn't explode cuz I mean, I don't think it's a far cry to say you guys and Chelsea have been the best teams in the league so far. Well, yeah, up until last week, we were both yeah. 100%. Yeah. There was a stat that came out. It was funny to me. that It was like Liverpool were the first team maybe ever. No, no, it wasn't the first team ever. Um, it was Man City and another older Chelsea team, like one of the like the third team to win their first six games. Yeah. Um, and then Chelsea won theirs as well. Yeah. And it was 6-6. Six six. And then there was a stat because of that that was uh, – Liverpool is the first team since 1904 or some shit to like win their first six games of the English league and not be top of the table. Yeah, but that's because the other team that won all six games right. is top of the table. So it's right. kind of like a nothing stat in my mind. Just goal diff. Yeah. So, yeah. So Eden Hazard played. He did. But was he was he targeted? But he doubled up. What was the salute? Did West Ham come up with a solution, or was he just kind of off his game? I would say it was probably just off his game. He does that sometimes against smaller teams. Right. Kind of switches off. Yeah. And, and then obviously we saw midweek and wakes up for the big moments. And right. And just shows up and has a moment of class. And he's been so good this season that it was kind of, like I said, it was very surprising to me that they got shut out. Yeah. yeah. All right. So before we, we look ahead, um, now that we've kind of reviewed last week, um, let's look at the table. Should we go bottom to top, top to bottom? I think we should go bottom I agree. to top. Let's build it with crescendo. <laughs> at the bottom of the table, Huddersfield on... How many points is that? Oh, two points? Yeah. Yeah, two points. A negative 11 goal difference. That's, yeah, it's, we, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That hurts. You guys got them coming up this yeah. week, don't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cardiff City as well on two points with a negative 11 goal difference in 19th. Not looking good for no. either of those sides so far, but it's, it's early days yet. And I say that in regards to my man Rafa Benitez, who is also in the relegation zone, 18th with Newcastle with two points as well. However, they've managed to keep the goals out in negative four goal That's difference. That's right. Which is, you know, might bode well for, for them going into, you know, a, a maybe a more favorable run against. Well, I think so. They looked really good a couple of weeks ago against Chelsea, so I think there's positive news there. Yeah, I mean, they went to Crystal Palace and got a nil-nil draw, which yeah. is tough to do even for, you know, a, a top-six team. Yeah. Um, West Ham, like we just finished talking about, uh, they're on four points just outside the relegation zone with negative six goal difference in 17th. Burnley in 16th with four points as well, negative three goal difference. Fulham in 15th, five points, negative five goal difference. Southampton, the team that we just slayed and laid bare to the knife. Uh, <laughs> also on five points, negative three goal difference. Brighton has five points, negative three goal difference as well. Just above them in 12th, big goal shout for the blue and white shite. Everton in 12th place, six points, negative three goal difference. Ahead of them, Crystal Palace, the aforementioned tough, tough away game, Crystal Palace. Seven points, negative two goal difference. Wolves, Wolves. I think I want them to get into Europe somehow, do the Burnley and, and find their way there. Nine points, even goal difference, six goals scored, six goals against. So not a lot of scoring going on, but also not a lot of conceding right. going on. 
which is important because they played Man City and United already. Yes. So I mean, the fact that they they haven't conceded, you know, more than six is pretty. They're averaging one goal conceded a game with two big sides in there. That's pretty impressive, right. in my opinion. Uh, just above them on nine points as well, but with a better goal difference, uh, is Leicester City. They have one one positive one goal difference. <laughs> And then somehow they find themselves behind Bournemouth, who have 10 points, but a negative one goal difference. Makes no sense. You gotta love the Premier League. Right. Now we're getting into the European spots, just holding on to a year, just holding on to a European spot. The Manchester United. Ooh, 10 points, zero goal difference, just one goal ahead of Bournemouth, or they're out of the European places. Crisis mode ensues. Bro, it's been crisis mode. You wanna hear the funny shout I heard for who might replace Jose Mourinho? Pochettino? Arsene Wenger. No. Oh, Are you, I, I saw it somewhere, no way. and I'm running with the rumor all the way to the bank. Just ahead of <laughs> Manchester United in six. So now we're actually talking about top six sides, no longer the bottom 14. Right. So just remember, United, bottom 14. Not Correct. A to, not a top six side. Uh, in the top six, Arsenal with 12 points, uh, three goal difference. Tottenham also on 12 points, beating out the Gunners on, on goal difference with five. The, the top six team that has usurped Manchester United the Watford Hornets. <sighs> tough, tough Watford Hornets. 13 points, plus 5 goal difference. In third place, Chelsea, 16 points, positive 10 goal difference. Second place, Manchester City, 16 points, 16 goal difference. They get a goal difference for every point that they get. That's right. Um, and then, of course, in first place, with the 100% record, oh, I'm grinning ear to ear right now. You I'm, sure are. I am blushing. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool, top of the table, six games played, six games won, 18 points, uh, 12 goal difference with only two goals conceded through six games, which is insane considering how shit our defense was at this point last year. Well, this is this would be the time where I'd be like, well, you haven't played anyone, but then I'd be insulting yeah, myself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So but I'm not going to say that at all. Speaking of, you know, the aforementioned, oh, we haven't played anyone, well, we have a bit of a, of a game this weekend. We're going to save that for the end, but... We're going to look at some of the matches, get a little general thoughts, key matchups maybe, and a prediction from our friend Caleb on the matches that he has circled on his little fixture list that he's probably going to watch. Um, and the first one off the bat at the famous, 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 famous uh, London Stadium. The first game of the weekend, 7.30 a.m. Saturday, West Ham, Man United. What are your thoughts? I really, normally, you look at this and you're like, it, you know, Manchester United's gonna win, even though it's a it's away. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's one of those games. I genuinely don't know what's gonna happen. Is is you know West West Ham beat? I forgot who they beat this uh, midweek. Eight nothing. So they're coming off a uh, you know. Oh, they beat someone eight nothing. Eight nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Yeah, they and they they won in the EFL Cup eight nil. Oh Jesus. Uh, man. Chester lost to Harry Wilson. By the way, if you haven't noticed, I put it up on the LFC Tampa page. Beautiful that, goal, beautiful goal. That free kick was world class. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it, it was, was really. And then really he gave good. he gave the uh, the five time finger salute to the Old Trafford crowd just to remind them that we've won five European Cups and they haven't, and that their European Cup is at Anfield. So for that, he's in my mind a legend. It's funny because me and Dave on the monthly podcast were talking about how he's kind of gone off to a slow start. We need to see more from him, and then he goes and bangs in uh, just a ridiculous yeah. free kick, scores his penalty too, and yeah. he knocks Manchester United out with yeah. Derby County. But yeah, so you're right. West Ham eight nil midweek on up. Manchester United knocked out. 
issues between Jose Mourinho and Pogba on a downward. It does have. It's got it's got the build of uh, of an upset or you know a boring zero zero draw. I mean, last week they they drew Chelsea nil nil. Yeah. So why not just continue to draw a boring nil nil at home and yeah. just get those West Ham fans even more upset about the stadium? <laughs> right. But I mean, I think uh, you know all things considered, if they can if they can draw. Or get a, a point or two or yeah. three out of uh, Manchester United at home. I think they'll they should be happy so about that. So, what is your prediction? I'm going nil nil. Nil nil. I'm going nil nil. Uh, if I had to, knowing nothing about either other than Manchester United is shit and I hate them, I'm gonna go four nil West Ham. Wow. It's not gonna happen. Only but... if Chicharito plays. Yeah, Chicharito. No, no, no. No. <laughs> Arnautovic, if he plays and he gets service, he can score four goals on his own. True. If this happens now, <sighs> soothsayer over here. Um, the next game you sent to me that you had circled, which I found a bit strange, but I guess it's probably just had a good time for you, yeah. is Cardiff v. Burnley. Right. Um, um, what's going on, Cardiff v. Burnley? <laughs> so that's that's uh, that's on Sunday. Yeah, okay. Um, I usually wake up, have a little, have a little breakfast, a little cup of coffee, yeah. and watch the early game on Sunday, okay. whatever it happens to be. I think this is going to – I actually like the bottom of the table matchups because there's a lot of passion down there. Yeah, you're right. Um, they don't want to go down – uh, if you see some of the games from last season when the teams were they got relegated and people were like, well, you know, they don't have heart. Those got, those adult men were crying yeah, at getting yes, relegated, you know, right, and it, yeah, it's yeah. it's important to them. Yeah. So I think these bottom of the table games are just as exciting as yeah. the top ones because uh, they have more to lose. To be honest with you, yeah, this so. is this is a bottom of the table scrap. I mean, yeah, if Cardiff wins, they get out of the relegation zone and they knock Burnley back down in there, depending on results around them. Right. Um, and if Burnley wins or draws and they, they stay above Cardiff City. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Cardiff has to play with fire and passion of the Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget that they used to be yeah, right. Dragons at oh, one point. Shit. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think they're not doing so well. Um, I don't see them winning that game. Yeah, it's hard for uh, teams coming up. Burnley as well did really well last season, and they've kind of struggled to begin with. Um, but, you know, last week I have down here that they beat Bournemouth 4-0. You know that's a result. Bur- Bournemouth has been pretty consistent. Yeah. So. So uh, maybe Burnley. I I know like the Europa League can throw shit off. So maybe you know, maybe they're starting to figure yeah. out the Europa League scheduling and all that stuff. And, and now oh, playing on Thursdays is the worst, yeah. as as I know. So maybe maybe now they're starting to find their feet a little yeah. bit. I mean, Sean Dyche has done really really well with that I, squad. So. I agree. So uh, I still think Burnley probably come out with a little a uh, very close victory in that one. What do you think? What's the score. One two no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just Cardiff gets smashed last week at home five nil against Manchester City. Yeah, they're they're hovering down there. Burnley, in their mind, is a team that they can beat based on the early season. You know, so they they I think they have to come out with a bit of fire and passion, yeah. but it's just not enough for them. And Burnley, I think Burnley will beat them like you know three two. Let's let's give you a little excitement on Sunday morning, <laughs> get you up and going and ready yeah. for the the incoming week that's you know slowly descending upon right. you. <laughs> oh, Monday's coming. Yeah, exactly. So give you a little 3-2 Sunday morning wake up and a nice Sunday fun day for you. Yeah. Um, so we, we have to talk about it next. Um, the next match we're going to talk about Spurs-Huddersfield. Well, yeah. That's the second of our four-game quote-unquote easy run. They're bottom of the table. Mm-hmm. Um, the Terriers, right? The Terriers. Yes. I think that's their nickname. Yeah, I think they are, yeah. Um, we have to win. Yeah. There's no there's no getting around that. Uh, we have to continue 
this, uh, I guess, resurgence. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We're a phoenix coming out of the ashes yeah. of that mini crisis. And you got Barcelona midweek, right? Yeah, don't want. So oh, it's like not even an man. option to lose and then go play Barcelona. No, like you can't do that. No, anymore. like if if he's gonna rest players for the Barcelona game, yeah, you have to beat. You can. We have to beat Huddersfield even with a B team, even yeah. with a slightly depleted team. Looking forward to Bar, and you have to look forward to Barcelona. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. You can't. I know the the you know the manager is supposed to say oh every game is important every game is a final. Well, like so before the Southampton game, uh, like me and Dave even talked about it on the previous podcast podcast plug. That's what that is. Um, we talked about how like if you looked at the run, um, like yeah you want to beat every team in that run, but the like one game you can't lose is Southampton at home. Right. And and that's mainly because like no disrespect to Southampton or like no disrespect to Huddersfield in your case like you need to be beating those teams if you're going to accomplish your goals, and in the modern Premier League it's to the point where like you have to win every game outside of the top six. You have to to make up for the fact that you might not beat the other top six teams. Right. Like just in case we happen to lose to Man City, like which is 100% a conceivable notion. Like you have to beat all these, and so like in some senses. As much as like a breath of fresh air, it is like oh, we get these four winnable games on the balance. We got Huddersfield at home. They almost become like these nauseating experiences because you're so worried and terrified at the prospect of like, but if we draw or lose, yeah, that will be shit. Uh, absolutely, it, it could be. It could uh, derail this little mini resurrection. So you said Erickson's out. Erickson is out. Uh, Serge Aurier is out. Michelle Vorm. Backup keeper is out, and as of right now, nobody knows if Hugo Lloris is in or out. Oh, okay. But uh, Gazaniga played really well the two games he's played so far, so I'm perfectly okay and confident in his skill. And um, I think Harry Winks is coming back slowly. Uh, We have Victor Wanyama finally coming back healthy. Uh, we need them. So you know, we need them for depth. You've been playing the four, the, the four two two two, basically the diamond. Yeah. Um, or like a, a square in the midfield. I don't even know what it is really. It's it's a little different. It is. Um, so do you like you said Christian Eriksen's out? Does that mean that you drop Mora into that creative ten role? I think or? you have. I think you put Deli Ali in the in the Eriksen position, and you put Lamella and Mora in there or Sun. Yeah. So how's, how's his fitness? So like he get... he played. I don't know if he played the no. He got subbed out uh, against uh, Brighton, but he played well. Uh, came in against Watford and changed the game alongside Lamella. They changed everything. Um, he came in against us and almost made the difference. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think Lamella is coming back. You know, he had that horrible multi-year. Well, not multi-year, but it was a, like an entire season injury. Basically, his hips. You know, for whatever yeah. reason. Um, and Sun's coming back from the Asian Games, which thankfully he won his he freedom. Won his freedom. <laughs> yes, won that's his ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe they have that system. Yeah, just as a quick aside, in case people don't know, uh, in South Korea, this isn't North Korea, in South Korea, the, Re- the People's Republic of South Korea, um, you are mandated, mandatory military service right. by a certain age. By correct? the age of 28, I believe. Okay, so I think you have to do five years, correct? I think it's two. Okay, two years. I'm butchering it already. Anyway, so because Sun was such a... a talented young man he never did any of the military service because he's overplaying soccer right uh in europe so when south korea hosted the world cup they made this special exemption for all the players of the south korean team that they qualified out of the group right that they could get exemption well then all these other athletes that did different olympic sports were like how come we have to win a medal 
and they just had to get out of the group. Right. So they changed the soccer rules before Sun was playing that they had to uh, win some type of competition right. in order for them to get military exemption. The World Cup, the Olympic gold, or, or the, the Asian, Asian games. games. So obviously South Korea didn't win the World Cup. Obviously. And they didn't, I don't think they won a medal in the last Olympics. No. So it came down to this summer's Asian Games. Literally, this was his last chance. And if he ha- if South Korea did not win the Asian Games, that meant that Sun would have to serve his, his military service. Mandatory two years away from the team. Yes, and he couldn't play professional soccer. And the other caveat to this, it was like another level, was that since Sun left so early South Korea, he didn't get his high school diploma or the equivalent. Right. And because of that, he wasn't eligible for like this basic service. Like, exactly. Like, you know, that he could do, like cleaning up streets and stuff like right. that, where like it was like very low. And like... And because of that, he wasn't eligible to play in the top divisions. So he'd have to play like on a Sunday League fourth division Korean team to even play soccer while he's doing his military service. Exactly. And it, it was, was it was going to be bad. It was I was I no offense to you, but I just wanted to see what would happen. Like I just wanted to see it all play. Like is he going to deport? Like is he going to is he going to expatriate and be like <laughs> I I disown South Korea or is he going to no I had to go back home and like how does that ruin everything for you getting no transfer fee? He's like, one of our best players. Yeah, he's 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 pretty crucial. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you if you didn't know now you know he's back from the Asian Games having won. He's won his freedom. Yes. But how is so he's 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 played as a couple times as subs. He came in against us and then did he come in at Brighton? I don't remember. He started it. He started uh, okay. at Brighton. So would he maybe start over Lamella because he is a little bit better than Lamella, but Lamella well, is in form. I wouldn't say he's better. I think he's uh, he's more of a direct attacking kind of player. Um, Lamella is more of an all-around player. He'll, he'll get back on defense more than Sun. And the times that Sun has gotten back on defense, it hasn't worked out. One of the big moments in my mind that sticks out is uh, against Chelsea in the, in the League Cup final a few seasons ago. Sun runs back, tries to defend, goes in on Victor Moses, you know, poorly yeah. timed, flop. Yeah. Definitely didn't touch him. Yeah. But I mean it was just it was an attacker's tackle. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a forward's tackle. Yeah. And so Lamella on the other hand, he knows how to defend. Yeah. And so I wouldn't say he's better. I think he's different. I think Mora and Sun are kind of like the same direct attacking dangerous players. So if you want to balance it out, okay. you switch one of them for Sun uh Sun and Lamella or Mora and Lamella. Okay. okay. But I think Dele Alli has to start okay. in the middle. Okay. It's funny that you would talk about flopping and then bring up Lamella. It's just a, a weird coincidence. <laughs> so we had we we do that. I actually asked somebody what's the difference between a dive and a flop in your mind, um, or is there a difference? There isn't. It's just semantics. But here, in my opinion, if you don't get touched, it's one hundred percent a dive. If you just dive, if you get touched and you go down, you're just going down easy. There's a difference, right? And it's it's obviously when my emotions are involved. If the other team's been touched and they go down easy, it's a dive. <laughs> so that particular incident, yes, okay. it's definitely a flop. I told you at the time it was a soft penalty. Yeah. I would not have given it if I were a referee. Yeah, but, but there was yeah. definitely contact. I don't. Want, I don't want to bring up old old wounds. Right. Now, if you want to talk, you want to talk about flopping. You can talk about Dele Ali. Yeah. I, I it's part of the game that I hate that he does. Yeah. He's too talented to be doing stuff like that. Yeah. I think Nabi Keita. I, I was at the pub in, in the League Cup game. And he went down in the box, and I absolutely just belted penalty. <laughs> and then they showed the other angle, and he was absolutely not touched, and he right. just fell over. And I was like, oh, well, that's from my angle, from my viewpoint. Right. right. That's why they have VAR, yeah. though. I don't know if they use well, it. Well, you know, like uh, Deli Ali goes down in the EFL Cup, 
in the box, my first instinct is like, he flopped. Yeah. That's not good for a no, supporter no, no, no. of your club to be saying like instantly, <laughs> he's a flop. Then they showed the replay. I was like, all right, he did go down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So what's your prediction, Spurs-Huddersfield? I think we're going to win. Uh, I think it'll probably be like, I'm going to go with 3-1. Yeah, I was actually going to say 3-1, and I was going to, the caveat, my, my, my little add-on was that you're going to go 1-0 down very early and then you're just gonna like take control and just i was actually thinking we go one uh, one nil and then they score right after us and it's one one so and we're then thinking we adversity back. adversity, adversity is, yeah. okay i like i like a good adversity yeah i hope you guys overcome it always feels nice to overcome adversity yeah definitely club, so if, yeah it definitely does all right so let's get into the the main event here let's get into it let's talk about chelsea liverpool at stanford bridge 12 30 saturday We'll be at the pub. Oh, You'll... I will definitely be oh, there. Okay, yeah, it's gonna be. It should be a cracking match. What are your What are your thoughts going into this match? So a couple of seasons, uh, weeks. It's not seasons. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I thought that you guys were just going to really steamroll them. I've seen them. I've watched them a couple of times a season against Newcastle. They didn't look great. Uh, they didn't look great against West Ham. And then you know that League Cup game was really good. Um, it was back and forth. Both teams had great chances. Uh, I wouldn't say either team played a B side. You guys had some good players on the pitch, was, and so did they. It was like a B plus, A minus. Yeah. Like I would la- say. Later on this season, a lot of those players can probably play their way into the starting lineups yeah. at any point. And if there's injuries, they're like the next man up. And it just, yeah, the depth there was insane. So, yeah. yeah, calling them B teams, I guess now we have to get a new scale where, like, there's an A team, there's a B team, and there's a C team. And most teams play their C team, actually. And, like, a B team is actually this combination of A and right. C players, you yeah. know? So, you know, I think both teams, like Klopp said beforehand, the players are going to take this competition seriously. And I think both teams took it seriously. You look at our, our, our lineup, we took it seriously. Manchester United took their game seriously. You know, teams yeah. are taking the competition seriously. And so seeing that evenly matched game, it was, uh, it was exciting. Yeah. I didn't watch it live because I was watching the Tottenham game, which – came on a few minutes after yours but um did you watch the highlights or? i did i did i watched the extended highlights okay. it was like 15 minutes worth of of play yeah i don't know much that they showed but like so it's the interesting thing was to me was that um and klopp brought it up was that a lot of the, the play like we played a lot of good players but in the grand scheme of things none of them have really played together ever right um joe matip and lavern have but Moreno and Klein haven't been on the pitch together since two seasons ago. Right. Um, Keita, Milner, and um, Shakiri as like a midfield setup or whatever it was. Um, like they haven't had a lot of game time together. Sturridge and you know up front with Mane and Shakiri. Oh no, it wasn't. It was Milner, Fabinho. Fabinho hasn't played at all. Right. Um, and so like the, the, it, it took thirty minutes for us to get into the game, but it was a, it was a good game. It was open. Both teams. We're playing, you know, I was interested to see how Sari came at it. I, I think Klopp alluded to the fact that he played, like, slightly different than he usually does. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, and he also said that, like, you know, having never played Sari, he had no idea what to expect. Right. And so, like, 30 minutes, they were pretty much on top. And then they figured something out, and they moved something around, and then we just started getting chances, and, like, we just didn't finish the chances. Like, you know, Sturridge missed the open net. Unbelievable. Um, he hit the crossbar. He did. Um, we got a little too cheeky in the box sometimes with what we were trying to do. Um, there was just a couple passes, like, inch off where they'd be one-on-one with the keeper. There was one time where the ball's going in with the keeper and Sturridge, and he just kind of gives up on it. And maybe a younger Sturridge with a bit more pace maybe could have got there. Maybe not scared of getting hurt again. Yeah. I think if, you know, if the game's 1-0 and Chelsea's up, 
I think we see Salah in the 70th minute and Eden Hazard never comes on the field. Mm. But I think 1-0 down, 15 minutes, the game at the weekend, you know, it's like a warm-up. Like, right. throw him on, and Eden Hazard's the type of guy that can, as you saw, just change games and flip him on their head. And he has a history, a long history, even in the League Cup of scoring against us. Yeah, or against us as well. He, he loves scoring against yeah, us. Yeah, the big games, really, yeah. you know. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, so so after the League Cup match, your your opinions changed a little bit. I think I think it's going to be a lot more closely contested than I expected, um, especially because it's at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Um, they've been playing very well, and I I have to say, as much as I can't even <laughs> yeah. get the words out, yeah. I think on form right now, yeah. Eden Hazard is probably the best player in the world. It's fair. Uh, on form. I'm not saying he is the best. I'm saying he's playing. He's playing really well at right the now, top yeah. of his game right now. And uh, I, whatever whatever Sari's doing, allowing them to be super fluid. Like you see Conte sometimes out on the wing. I don't know what he's doing over there. Yeah. Sometimes he's the most forward of their players. Whatever he's doing, it's working because they are they look like they're enjoying their football. He's playing Willian and Hazard at the same time, which I think is. Something that uh, Conte didn't do very much. Yeah, I always called for it. Yeah, William, I've always rated as one of their best players, and but for some reason he never gets in. Yeah, because he's, you know, we I have a, a friend. His, uh, you know, he's he's a big Chelsea guy, and I ask him all the time, like, why don't you guys play both of them at the same time? And he's like, they're the same player. Yeah, true. A little bit. Yeah, there's, there's some truth there. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I can see why you would want some balance instead yeah. of just like all out attack, but. Uh, I when they play their fluid style, it's just it's really nice to watch. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it, it, Chelsea's one of those clubs. Like you know, Arsenal gets a new manager and they they have a feeling out period, and like you know, other teams bring a new manager. Like we bring in Klopp and we have a feeling out period. Brendan Rodgers comes in, and there's a feeling out period. Obviously, probably not on par with some of the managers. Brendan Rodgers, that is, and not on par with some of the managers that Chelsea brings in. But for, they have this thing. They bring in Jose Mourinho. They win the league first time. They kick him out. They bring him back again. They win the league first season. They kick him out. They bring Conte in first season, wins the league, kick him out. Bring Sarri in, and they they go, you know, basically 6-6 six six out the box, and they, yeah. they draw a game, granted. But, like, you know, like they're, 100, they're not beaten yet, and... They're, like Klopp said in his pre-match press conference, it might have been before the League Cup even, how he's never seen a coach come in and so quickly force his style upon right. the side and have it work so well so quickly. Um, and a lot of that probably has to do with Jorginho coming in, who played under Sarri at Napoli, and he understands the system. And that regista, as they call him, um, the holding midfielder in that system is, like, the key peg. It's why they had to kick Conte out and, like, go up the wing and try to see what you can right. do. Because he's like, I have this guy who knows 100% what he's supposed to do and, like, has it down to a T, and he's 50 million quid, and we stole him from Man City, and he's class, so we're going to put him there. And, like, yeah, apparently he just facilitates everything. And then, yeah, when they're in form, when it's clicking, when it's working, they, they put away the goals. But the one thing that it was glaring from the, the League Cup game is the, that back line. Yeah. That back line is still... No, and you, it was even evident against West Ham, though. West Ham had a couple of chances where I was just looking. I was like, you're weak. Chelsea's weakness is their defense and their striking core. Because yeah. they have no one... Their strikers are bad. Yeah. Morata is not good. Yeah. If you know, He can only score with his head, and if you don't put it on a plate, he's not going to score. And Giroud, I don't know why they bought it. I don't know what's going on yeah. there. Their goals are coming from midfield. Yeah. They're coming from Hazard. They're coming from Willian. They're coming from those guys. So if you guys can shut down the midfield, if you can control the midfield, I think 
you know, the game. The game is going to go whichever team controls the midfield, which I guess is saying is very cliche to say. Yeah, but but it's, in, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, their defense, I don't think, is great. Yeah. David Luiz is, is an accident waiting to happen. You never know what he's going to do. Yeah. The key thing, so like you going to the League Cup match, the, the place they really struggled it in was when we forced them to play with the ball in their half. And granted, there was times where they were just happy to pass it around the back line or whatever. But when that holding midfielder had to like turn around, like he was forced to turn around and play it backwards, that's when you have the Daniel Sturridge chance right. happen. And so, you know, we're really good at that high press. Um, the only team that they played similar to that was Arsenal, correct? Yes. And that game, I didn't watch it. Did you watch yeah, it? Yeah, I did. I heard that it was there was def- like I mean, Arsenal from the highlights like missed a bunch of chances. The, it was it was ridiculous how dominant Chelsea were one second, and then they just completely stopped playing, and Arsenal would just attack them, and they looked incredibly vulnerable in the back. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it ended up, what, 3-2? It was a yeah, great yeah, game. Yeah. It and, was a really good game. Obama Yang missed, like, three or four sitters that he For sure. should have probably put away. Definitely. And, and so they're definitely they're definitely susceptible to counterattacks, which is what Arsenal did, and you guys are, like, the pros at that. Yeah. So with, with the speed that you guys have up top, I think it's going to be a goal fest. I mean, it, Van Dyke doesn't play. 100% chance that it's a goal fest. He hasn't trained yet this week with, oh. his, with his ribs, so there's mm. a chance he doesn't play. Um but, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see, obviously, after the midweek, if we had won, I would be like, yeah, whatever, bring on the first team, like, blah, blah, blah. But now I want to see, that, now that we lost, I want to see Mohamed Salah, Bobby Firmino, Mane, whoever that first-choice midfield. I reckon it's probably going to be your English Premier League midfield of James Milner, Jordan Henderson, and Gene Vinaldum. Yeah. Away game, big title rival. You need players that have been there, they're used to the atmosphere, they understand the pace of the game. Like Fabinho in the first half was just players were just running up on him and stealing the ball off of him because he had he, he did no concept of how fast he had to play. Right. And it's so, a different league. Yeah. And Keita, he's been he's been great, and there maybe is a shot for him when you consider the fact that when we played you guys, I thought we're going to play our English Premier League experience midfield, and he threw Keita in there out of nowhere. Um, but I really do think Chelsea away, you know, uh, trying to take advantage of the fact, sorry, said it, they're not as in tune to their system yet as we are in tune to the Klopp system. Right. Try to take advantage of that by just throwing the full force at them and f- force them back the pitch. Hazard can't do much with his back to goal in his own half. He can try to dribble everyone, but if he's got to dribble 50 yards, it's much tougher. Right. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm saying it's just harder to score that right. way. And you won't have Moreno yeah. defending. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. We get. It. Hopefully Van Dyke is fine, and hopefully this is just like precaution and Klopp has the faith in him. Or like, look, don't train. Just rest. It doesn't really matter. I, I know you know the system. I know you can come in and play. Who do you play if he doesn't play? Oh, well, so that's very interesting. Probably Joe Matip. Because Joe Matip looked really good against Southampton, and yeah. he did kind of like the discount Virgil Van Dyke like, <laughs> I like impression. That. Like, and like a discount Virgil Van Dyke can be a thirty-five million center back and still be class because right. you know he's seventy-five million. So, um, I think it's probably you know if Van Dyke's out, it's Joe Matip, Joe Gomez, because Joe Gomez has just been playing out of his mind, and he didn't he didn't get hardly no he didn't get any minutes uh, midweek. So obviously Klopp. With an eye to the weekend, has probably rested him. It's like, yeah, get your, get your you're gonna get your full ninety at Stamford Bridge. So it's probably Joe Gomez, and Trent Alexander Arnold, much better going forward than Nathaniel Klein is. Right. Nathaniel Klein's really good defending. They didn't do much down that right wing. He's probably a better defender um, overall as as Trent. Maybe on form right now, Trent's up there with him. But going forward, he's nowhere near as good as um, as Trent is. 
And so, given that, yeah, attacking them, like, it sounds silly to say, but attacking them is where we're going to get most of our luck if we're trying to control the game and sit back and that not give them the opportunities that they want. Yeah, going you- straight at them from the first whistle is going to be key. And it, it has a, we did this against PSG where we knew Neymar was going to be out there and so he wasn't going to be tracking back and he was going to be like sneaking in and we just told Trent, you know what, just get up the wing and just stay in their half and we'll tell Jeannie Vinaldum or James Milner or we'll just move over the center backs and have them drop the other side and like don't worry about coming back because we know Neymar is not going to, he's not going to, you know, he, we got you covered, and he's not going to come into the defensive half right, at never. all. So you're going to have all that space. Yeah. And so maybe we, we mimic something like that and try to you know, take advantage of the same opportunities. Um, I definitely think you have to go at them. You can't let them have the ball. I think we will go at them like right from the first go. And I think you know, if we, if we get the ball, I guarantee we get the ball and we kick it straight into their corner, and then we just rush into their half. I guarantee if we get the ball, that's the first <laughs> thing we're going to do. Um, so you heard it here first, folks. But, um, yeah, I, I, I fancy us. Um, I love Klopp after a loss. Uh, I love Klopp who's trying to get vengeance. Right. So the fact that we've we've even played Chelsea midweek and they've beaten us and we get to play them immediately, that's why the loss doesn't hurt as much is because it's like, oh, we get an immediate chance to beat them and, like, set the record straight. It's mm-hmm. not like I had to wait six months to play them again in the league and right. shut up these, these plastic bastards. I get Oh, I get it right at the weekend. And, like, also, like, you know, these short weeks, they can be tough, but the fact that we get the same team. So, like, we spent the first half of the week preparing for Chelsea, and we're going to spend the second half of the week preparing for Chelsea. It's right. basically like, you know, with all due respect to the League Cup, we had a nice little friendly with our backup squads just to learn each other's systems. And, I, you know, Klopp came out of the, the press conference, and he said, I learned a whole lot. I haven't seen the system in the flesh yet. We learned some things, and you could tell. You could see. Right at like around the 30-minute mark, they figured something out. A message got told. People got switched. And then control the game switched until Eden Hazard came into the match. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I fancy us. I think I, I back Klopp to, to have figured it out. And I think I think – think we'll win i think we'll win i always think we're gonna win but i really i legitimately think i don't know this is the year of klopp you know getting his vengeance wembley he's never won at wembley one wins at wembley right the tottenham thing of last year he gets that over the hill he's only beaten southampton twice in his career or even maybe even once got knocked out of the league cup by southampton mm-hmm. they come in landfield just smash him off the park you know Crystal Palace away is right. a tough match for us. Crystal Palace was his first loss as a manager. Easily wiped the floor with Crystal Palace. Boom. So it's the year of, of Klopp getting his vengeance. I just feel it in my heart. So I feel like we'll, we'll have the 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 better of, of the fortune and, and come out on top. Um, do you have um, like a key matchup that you're going to be watching? Yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said earlier, uh, with Conte just floating and roaming, I'd like to see who picks him up. Because he's not really an offensive force, but you gotta you, you gotta respect the man's skills. And yeah. when he's floating around, uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out. I've watched him a couple of times, and I can't, I can't figure out why. It's working, so yeah. I can't argue with it. But I can't figure out why he's letting him roam like that. Well, I think it's because. So, you have you in in his system. You have the Rajista, the holding midfielder, right? And that's Jorginho. That's his handpicked guy. So he can't play there. And then you have the attacking midfielder, like the creative guy, like up front. I don't know who they play there, right? It might even be Eden Hazard. Pedro, yeah. maybe Fabregas. Ross Barkley is the one that played it, like like in the in the midweek or whatever. Yeah. Like he- stay up front and like try to facilitate and stuff and like lay the ball off to Eden Hazard and Willian and stuff like that. And then in his system, he needs a box box midfielder, and he can't like 
Engol Kante is world class, and so he's like, I f- well, you know what? Screw it. Like, I, you know what? You're just going to run just back and forth, get up into the attack, run back on defense. I, he doesn't want to switch his system to accommodate for two holding midfielders. Right. So that's probably why he's just like, yeah, you're box to box, whatever. And like in regards to like how you cover it, as like who covers him as a midfielder, since he is a box to box, the way you control a box to box midfielder is you force him to sit outside his own box by controlling the ball. Yeah. And then, you know, force him to play counterattack where you're moving with him rather than like allowing him to set up shop in your half and start moving around and get lost within your defense, which it could happen. He's good enough to do that. Um, so, yeah, the key stopping him is just playing their half. Right. So he can't have the space to like, go wander off on his own. What I would really like to see, and this doesn't happen very often in these big matchups, but I'd like to see both teams come out and say, regardless of who we're playing, we're going to come out with our best lineup our and the system we like to play. Because yeah. if they come out with their best and you guys come out with your best, I, like I said, it's going to be a it's going to be a really fun match. Not Maybe not so much for you <laughs> or everyone else at the pub, but for me, yeah. it's going to be very fun so to watch. So what's your prediction then? I honestly, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 3-2 you guys. Ooh. So, okay. It would be a good game. I would have a great time if it was 3-2. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think I had to stay with what I wrote in our in the blog, my <laughs> prediction blog, and we're gonna beat him four 0 Yeah, we're gonna beat him four 0 You know why? And everyone, oh, listen, we went. Sometimes let me get romantic right now. Sometimes people start doubting Liverpool and they start they start putting us down and they go, oh, you lost to Chelsea midweek. Oh, Chelsea, you haven't beat them. You're like two wins in the last ten against Chelsea. Oh. Klopp's had a bit of a bad run against Chelsea. Oh, you last, lost them last time at the bridge. And when when the world is against us, well, they're not really in this moment, but, you know, people are starting to spin those narratives, anti-Liverpool narratives and Chelsea. Which is weird because you're undefeated. I know, but whatever, you know. Yeah. So we're, that's when we are our most dangerous, when we are disrespected. And maybe we're not being disrespected. Maybe I've made this all up in my head. Maybe everyone <laughs> yeah. is saying we're the greatest team the world's ever seen, but I would prefer to feel disrespected. And so we're being disrespectful. We're going to go out there 4-0. We're going to yeah. wipe the floor with them. And just, I think back to the, the last game of Jose Mourinho at Chelsea when it was Klopp's first game at Stanford Bridge and Christian Bedteke ended up getting on the score sheet and Coutinho scored uh, that, the beautiful goal right before the half. And I think he even scored another one off of John Terry's back into the top corner. <laughs> and Jose Mourinho's, I have nothing. I have nothing to say. Nothing. I have nothing to say. Nothing. I just, that's just, that's... I'm just thinking about that, like that type of match where we just kind of just wipe. They don't even score four 0 They they don't score. We control the match. Eden Hazard runs into the real defense. He realizes the system where they play the ball up the other end of the pitch doesn't allow him to just float around in space and pick it up. He's got to come back and work, and he doesn't like to come back and work. And once that starts happening, he gets a little melancholy and he kind of <laughs> kind of fades out of the game. And and we don't. And we at the end of the match, we end up thinking, where was that Eden Hazard lad? He is on form, maybe one of the best players in the world. Where has he been? Trent Alexander Arnold, Neymar, Ronaldo, Jeco, or whoever Al Sharawi, whoever was out on the left wing, <laughs> Leroy Sané. They've all been in his pocket. Yeah. We're going to add another Eden Hazard right to that list. World-class players a, in Trent's pocket. It's a very bold prediction. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I think it's I think it's more bold than 6-0 last week. Yeah, right? Well, I, you know, I, I had a feeling Dave kept picking my scores that I was picking, like what Liverpool was going to score to hedge his bets. Like, oh, just in case they win, you know, by, with three goals. I'm just going to pick what Jordan picked three goals. So, like, in my heart, I was like 3-0, but I was like, you know what? Double it up 6-0. And I ended up, you know, if you haven't been reading the blog, which you should, 
You absolutely should. If you haven't been, we do like a weekly uh, preview of, of the game coming up, some talking points, and we, uh, me and Dave do predictions. Well, Caleb joined to the game late, and he's already tied at the top of the table <laughs> with me and Dave because last week he said 3-0, and he had picked up two points prior, and he got himself to two points. We were sitting on five. Or we were sitting on six or whatever. or No, we were sitting on five. And then last week, me and Dave each got two. And then Caleb comes in, and he gets five points, gets the score right, you're 3-0 on the head, and now he's tied top of the table. And we can't allow this to happen. So what I'm saying is all, the, all you football genius out there, read the blog. We post it on the, the Facebook. So go like the Facebook so you can get that content. Go follow the groups of the pubs that we have set up so you can get the information from your particular pub that you go to watch with. And send us your predictions. So you like, have a spreadsheet. Yes, I have a spreadsheet yeah. at home for our very important imaginary football prediction league. Well, I guess it's not imaginary. I guess it actually exists. Right. There's no real payoff. The point system is totally made up. But Whose line it is anyway? anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Drew Carey will come into the pub of your choice at the end of the season and award you uh, a cup of, of coffee. Right. Because that's about as much as you deserve for being the smartest one in the room, I think. It's just a nice little cup of coffee. Or lucky, the luckiest yeah. one in the room. Yeah. You don't have to be smart. You just like th- throw numbers out there. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. This is true. Um, so, yeah, before uh, we wrap up, I'm just going to do some general LFC Tampa Bay stuff. That's That was Caleb's Corner, the first, the hopefully first. not the last. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so if you if you liked it, let us know so we keep this going. Uh, maybe do it like every single week as the Premier League games come. Yeah, um, me and Dave will be shooting to do the second episode of our not to be, yet to be named podcast. Please help us name it. We need a name. Help us name it. We got to pick a name. We've, we've combed through what you've given us already, and I don't know if it's there yet. There's a couple. There's a couple of possible gems, but I just I just don't know if the one's there yet. There hasn't been something that's grabbed me. So keep sending us your ideas for names. Um, real quick, LC Tampa Bay. The game will be on this weekend, of course, at all three locations. Pokies, London Heights, Horse and Jockey. Pokies and London Heights over in Tampa. Horse and Jockey, of course, out on South Pasadena by St. Pete Beach. If you come out this weekend, um, we are doing 50-50 raffles this weekend for uh, a charity that is actually a foundation that is actually uh, operated and run and operated by Justin, co-owner and bartender at the Horse and Jockey down in St. Pete. It is the Hope Health, or the Health, Hope, and Sunshine Foundation. They have a walk coming up on November 4th, uh, a cancer walk. Uh, The foundation likes to donate stuff like gift cards, meals, um, toys for all children's hospital. They they donated iPads for the Bardmore Chemo Room, um, the Bardmore Cancer Center Chemo Room. Um, so all the proceeds from the walk go to the foundation so they can do the, the wonderful stuff that they do in the Bay Area. Um, so we're looking for people who want to walk in the walk. And if you are walking in the walk and you are a member, then we are looking to raise the funds to sponsor those walkers on behalf of the Supporters Club. So in line with that, this weekend, 50-50 raffles for the Chelsea match. Also, we're going to do it next weekend for the Man City match because we're anticipating there's going to be quite a few people coming out. Yeah. So if you're coming out, it's $2 for one ticket, $5 for three tickets, $10 for eight tickets, $20 gets you 20 tickets. 50-50 raffle, you get half of the money that is in the raffle. The rest goes to the foundation for sponsoring our walkers. So once again, you want to walk? Let us know so we can get an idea of how many people we're legitimately trying to sponsor. And then come out this weekend, enter into the 50-50 raffle so we can start raising funds to sponsor those people. Um, or... If, you know, you don't, whatever, you just want to donate some money, uh, you can send it to our PayPal, dues at uh, lfctampabay.com. Um, it might just be lfctampa.com. Go to the Facebook, there's a post there. Um, or come see either me, 
at Horse and Jockey, Dave at London Heights, or Mindy or Casey at Pokies, and they can they can give you all that information in the person. The most important thing is that you know we're raising funds. We're trying to give it to a good cause. It's part of our growth this year as a supporters club is to give back to the local community. We're also going to be looking to do something down the line with maybe giving something back to Liverpool, the Liverpool community, because, you know, this all is born out of the city of Liverpool, so it's only right that we give back to the city that gives us so much. So we're going to be looking to do something like that. But this weekend, 50-50 raffle, come out to the pubs. They'll all be open, 12.30 kickoff. I'm going to say now, come out early, because there's a high chance that all three of these pubs are going to be fairly, fairly packed. Uh, we got around 40 people, 50 people for Brighton Hove Albion at 12:30 on a Saturday. So yeah, come out, cheer on your Reds. If you're coming to Horse and Jockey, come meet Caleb. Come out early, watch the Tottenham game. He doesn't even sit in the corner at the pub. I it's don't. Just, it's just here where it's Caleb's corner. He's in the <laughs> middle of the room at the pub. It's Caleb's whole room. At I'll the be pub. wearing white bright. <laughs> You show up early that Saturday, you can actually watch the Spurs game with Caleb. I might be there a little early myself. And, yeah, that's been it for Caleb's Corner. I hope you all have enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, subscribe to those Facebook pages, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Once again, this has been Caleb's Corner, LFC Tampa Bay. Up the Reds and whatever to the Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Get out of here.